Welcome to Ask an Artist. I'm Laura Boswell. And I'm Peter Keegan. And as always, we have the talented Mr B on sound. Now, as you know by now, we are taking a break and Peter and I are working away in our studios at the moment. But we're not leaving you on your own. We are playing some of our favourite episodes and some of the episodes that we thought were most useful. And this week, we're going to replay the episode on writing, because I think it's one of the most useful in exploring the sheer diversity of the kind of writing that working artists have to do. Everything from writing that artist statement to your website, to marketing materials. There's a lot of writing that goes on there, isn't there, Peter? You're absolutely right, Laura. I think it is It is completely integral to the process of, of being a working artist. And it was one that, to be honest, I didn't expect to be doing as much writing as I am. You know, I had this grand vision, of course, when I would be an artist. I'd be out there painting my pictures and making millions of pounds. And inevitably, that's not true. I'm mostly on my computer doing writing, whether it is websites and blogs and emails and such. And it's made me realise really how integral and important it is to running the business side of it and certainly running it successfully. So, of course, during the episode, we talked about the different ways that you could write, but also what writing can do to really sort of develop and open up further and future opportunities to your art career. Yes, writing doesn't come naturally to everyone. And I know that this episode's got some nice little hints and tips in it to help you along the way if if you struggle with writing or you just don't like doing it. So a bit of encouragement. So Peter, let's turn to you now. I think you're going to splash a bit of colour around. Well, that's right. I mean, I don't know about you, but can you believe we've had the pleasure of Michael Harding and his fabulous array of colours sponsor this podcast for almost a year now. And each week we get the delight of delving into such a vivid and exciting world of paint and colour. But, do you know, I just had a thought that after all this time of us chatting all things colour, I don't think I've told you what my all-time favourite colour is. And last week you told me what yours was. You loved Payne's Grey. So, Laura, my question to you is... Can you guess what's Peter Keegan's favourite colour? Oh, now that is a tricky one. I think you're very vibrant and you're quite in your face sometimes, Peter, aren't you? So I'm going to go for (laughs) scarlet. <laughs> oh, I, I do. I do feel like in a scarlet mood sometimes, but no, that's not. That's not my favourite. I'll, I'll tell. I'll give you some clues. Okay, my favourite colour. My favourite colour is found in Van Gogh's Starry Starry Night painting, or it's the colour of Matisse's Paper Cut Nudes, and it's even found in the sky of a rich and lyrical Titian painting. Yes, I know you've got it. It's ultramarine blue. Oh, I love that colour. I've always loved that colour. It's so it's so majestic, so grand. And apparently I'm not the only one who thinks that because after titanium white, which is not really a colour, we know white isn't a colour, ultramarine blue is the most purchased colour in the world. Now, when I chatted to Michael Harding about his ultramarine blue, I was surprised to hear that despite its popularity, it's one of the more difficult paints to make because it forms this sort of runny syrup when the pigment is ground into the oil. And I thought we saw that, didn't we, as the machine was making it when we visited him. Now, however... Despite this problem, Michael works his magic and he turns this wonderful colour into one that has a high tint power, which produces strong green-blue shades and the colour that makes the most wonderful violets when mixed with magenta and his red lake colours. So if you wish to go beyond the sea 
as that literally what ultramarine means, coming from the Latin ultramarinus, beyond the sea, and you want to discover one of the very best blues available in the world, then look no further than Michael Harding's ultramarine blue. So yes, Peter, it is a stunning colour and I can absolutely see why you've chosen it as your favourite one. So if you would like to see this lush ultramarine blue and the amazing range of colours available at Michael Harding, pop along to his website at michaelharding.co.uk. Now let's take a little step back from colour and delve into the world of writing as we listen to this week's podcast. Hi, I'm Peter Keegan. And I'm Laura Boswell. And over there, there's the talented Mr B on sound. Do you want to take the leap and become a working artist? The sort that actually gets to make art and pay bills at the same time? We're both that sort of artist and we're going to help you become one too. One of the most effective ways to support and enhance your ability as an artist, along with the sale and promotion of your work, is writing about it. From writing detailed descriptions about your creations and how they were produced, to enlightening blogs, in-depth articles, or just a good social media post, today we're going to explore the different ways you can write about your artwork and how the act of writing itself can bring you money. So Peter, when we talk about writing, there are various ways of writing as an artist. Let's just go through some of those. Yeah, these are the things that we both do as well, aren't they? Mm, so absolutely. we've got things like uh, articles, writing for magazines, mm-hmm. uh, which I know we both do with Artists and Illustrator magazine and The Artist magazine and other editorials out there as well. Um, yeah, they, there's social media. That's that's a constant writing job. Yeah, almost, like, almost on a daily basis if, you, uh, if you're that... Uh, into it and that on top of it as well. Mm-hmm. You've got things like um, blogs. So that's sort of work related to your website. And we've uh, recorded an episode recently all about your website, about how writing on that is important, mm-hmm. keeping it up to date. And there's the actual scary writing a whole book. Which you have just done. I've just done, but you've done it too. I did, yeah, a long time ago. It's a much smaller tone than yours, but writing, mm. giving an in-depth insight into the way uh, that we work and the way that we go about what we're doing. But we also ought to include things like marketing material, leaflets, marketing mails, things like that. Yeah, getting that information to yeah. the public and to your customer base. I guess in a way, what we're saying is that you can't avoid writing if you're an artist. No, it's something that I was... I, you don't I, have to write a book, maybe. No. But you, <laughs> You are going to encounter writing somewhere along. I have the way. to admit, when I sort of started, I suppose if I'm being, you know, really professionally cracking on with being an artist for the last eight years or so, mm. I didn't realise quite how much time I would be spending writing um, yeah. from writing, you know, this material, whether it is articles or, or, or blogs and marketing material, but also emails. You know, that, that requires yeah. a lot of, you know, writing ability and time. And I was quite surprised how much I was spending my time writing. So my ability of writing has really, you know, hopefully gone gone. Better over I was going years. to say, I mean, even if you struggle with writing and you're thinking, oh no, that's a disaster, you do improve and you get more fluent and you get to get a feel for what's needed, don't you? Yeah, and, you- and like like a lot of things, you know, in almost in parallel to the develop- development of your style, the development of your writing will take time. You don't have to be perfect writing, perfect prose and wonderful descriptions. Yeah, I think people overthink it sometimes, don't they? Yeah. You know, it's sort of... Um, it's straight, it, straightforward is good. Yeah. It doesn't have to be flowering. Clever. No, no, just clear to the point and succinct is, is enough to get yeah. the message across. And that's in getting the message. If you can get, if you can say what you want to say clearly, that's all that really matters. So 
That said, there are different styles of writing for the different um, types of writing that you might do. So writing for an article or a book, for example, is paid work. That is that thing. Is that that's means the clear you've got difference, a boss, doesn't it? Yeah, that it's, these are. If you're writing something for money, uh, you know, you'll usually have a brief, or you'll have something that you a certain criteria that you must meet in order yes, for you to you, get. Yes, I that mean everything paycheck. from the timetable when you need to deliver it to yeah. the content and the style. Mm. Um, like, for example, I write a monthly column for artists and illustrators. Mm-hmm. And they're very kind to me in that they're very flexible about what I write about. Mm -hmm. But I have a word count. Yes. And I'm representing the magazine. So it has to be professional and it has to represent the kind of feel and general purpose of the magazine. Mm. So that's not total freedom. No. And and you also have to know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. You can't you can't can't make it up and write a spiel of nonsense. It has to be factual and you have to get those facts right. Yeah. You have to be an expert in in that field or certainly that area that you happen to be writing about. And you have to think of something new every month, which is quite (laughs) scary. It's always a challenge. So you've got you know you've got something like that, and then you have something in, uh, as a commercial enterprise like writing a book. So were mm. you approached by the publishers to write this, or did you seek it the other way around? Uh, no, I was approached by Crowwood Press to write oh, my okay. book, and it was it was a specific brief in that they wanted a how to book about making Japanese woodblock. Mm. But how the book was constructed was very much down to me because what Crowwood are good at are um, allowing artists to communicate about their skills and and things that they really know. So they kind of let you dictate how how the book appears. Mm. So the conversation we had was very constructive because they were allowing me to use my expertise to make sure it was easy to understand. Was there kind of constant dialogue throughout the process of writing it and producing it? It was. There were certain times when I had to kind of defend my reasoning behind things, like I had a big section in the book that was about troubleshooting, where mm. there were photographs of things that could go wrong, why they'd gone wrong, how to solve them. Mm. And I think the publisher hadn't really appreciated how important it was the way that I'd written it with bullet points explaining different mm. processes and things. But once I'd explained it and I justified that, they could see that and they did change it back to how I wanted it. Mm. So I think it was very open dialogue. But there was an accountability to yeah. the whole process as well, totally. as, as I imagine there was a deadline to get it done by X. Yeah, yeah there were targets to meet mm. because we were doing the photography as well. That all had to be tied in. And so it wasn't just writing the book. It was things like stitching captions to pictures and making sure that everything was laid out properly and matched and stuff. So if you go down the path of writing instruction books or, or things like that, you've got to be prepared that there'll be a certain level of technical mm. writing as yes. a part of that. That's the point. I mean, yeah. the same when I wrote a book, I, I did the self-published option because there mm. were so many people coming to me who, who I was teaching saying, mm. oh, I wish I had this in a book format. And I, it wasn't, it was only sort of an 80 page mm. booklet with lots of step-by-step mm. examples and demonstrations and listing how I did it. Yeah. But I did it all myself through a, a website that I was able to kind of put a book together. And That's often a good option for artists it is. though, isn't it? It's a good starting point. You know, you yeah. don't have to seek the backing yeah. from a publisher. You can sort of do it yourself. Yeah, I've got a little liner cut book like that I yeah. send out. And it's it's a good it's a good step 
into writing. Mm. But again, it still needs to look professional. You want it to, to represent you well. Yes. You know, it's, it takes time it's to got do to, It's like. got to look the part, but it has to act the part. It has to stand up to what you're saying mm. it is going to do. If it is going to teach a technique or give an insight into the way you work, it has to deliver yeah. on that promise of what you're writing on the front cover. So now we've terrified everybody with talking <laughs> about books. Let's go back to something a little more familiar and talk about social media writing and the kind of writing that you might do to market your work. Yeah, I, I suppose it's the mar- it's the type of writing that will be the most frequently used mm, form of writing. Yeah, it's going to be the most familiar to people. Yeah. And I of course, it, it, I suppose I would define it as it's writing that isn't a commission it's not bringing in money directly no. of course it will indirectly hopefully promote and push you as an artist by explaining what you do and giving that people an insight into what you do it's definitely more relaxed but it's still a professional tool it doesn't mean you can sort of just let everything hang out there and it doesn't matter what like moaning and <laughs> well i'm just thinking things. moaning and sort of um yeah swearing and things like <laughs> that you it's just it's Still remember that it represents you as a brand Mm. and we've talked to gallerists and they will say, you know, we will check social media and and they will be looking at you and how you look on social media. So just bear that in mind. In in the corporate world, if you're going for an interview, you know, they will, Mm. people will look and research you online and see what they can find to make sure that you're the type of person they want to deal with. And if you want to teach as an artist, that's something to bear in mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it is worth... Keeping a professional hat on yeah. when you're doing things like but the, that. The, the sort of, I suppose, the, the manner that the, the reason this would potentially differ from writing things like books and articles mm. is that you're writing much more from, you know, the, the you, it's the personal, yes. it's I yeah. do this yeah. or, yeah. Um, you know, it's more, it's slightly more relaxed. It can, it can be, be a bit more, more flip, it can be more humorous, it can yes. be all those things. It's sort of, it's, yeah. the, it's the you, it's the voice of the artist, if you like, the, uh, the personality, if you like. And some artists have a very good, strong mm. personality and some they don't and that doesn't take anything away. But you have the opportunity to do that through whether it's marketing material or social media or your website and so on. Well, I think, you know, we've discussed social media on another podcast and we probably will do again, but let's just turn our attention to marketing material. Mm. Because here I think, you know, that could be an email you send out to your mailing list or it could be a leaflet um, that you're handing out at a show. And I think writing good marketing material is all about very short, succinct, catching people's attention. Mm. It's a hook, isn't it? Rather than an end in itself. So you're trying to drive whoever's reading it to you or to your website or to the means to buy your art. That's exactly what it's for. It's not the, it's not the tone where it explains and gives all the answers. It's the hook to say, here's how you find me. Here's how to find out more. Mm. Here's how to get hold of me. And it needs to be relevant. It needs to be up to date, of course. Again, I've picked up things where an artist has given me the fly and says, oh, and that's out of date. And they'll sort of scribble all over it and write down what is up yeah, to date. Yeah, that never looks good, <laughs> it really, does it? So um, having that marketing material, mm. is just clear, concise and to the point. It doesn't need to be full of waffle with your artist statement or intention. Keep those things for your website or other things if people want to get yeah. into it. And it doesn't pictures, need to be rammed down their pictures thing. on it. Oh yeah, picture. Well, you know, if you're handing out leaflets or you're sending out a marketing mail, it needs to be image heavy. Yes. You know, as an artist, also, I mean, imagine if you're handing out a card or a leaflet at an art show, people won't remember. They'll no. just have a handful of leaflets. Oh yeah, when I've they done that so home. many times. I'm scouting you, for artists and yeah, tutors, and I go home. You need an image on that yeah. leaflet so they can say, "Oh yeah." 
he was the guy that painted portraits. Or, oh, yeah, Correct. she was the guy that she was the guy. She was the girl yeah. who, does, who does some other form of art. Yeah. It's, it's really important. And it goes hand in hand. You know, if we're talking about the visual arts, it's a visual medium. Celebrate the fact that you've got this wonderful, delicious visual splendor to share with somebody else. Absolutely. So whack it all all over the merchandise that you've got and the marketing material to let people know who you are. And don't print too, if you're doing, talking with printing things don't print too many and change change it up it's very cheap now to get short runs of of leaflets and stuff Um, let's talk about things that one should not do and one thing that i've got written down here is in in bold is avoid jargon Mm. Um, what do we mean by jargon another sort of form we often use is art bollocks there's the sort of jargon which is just pretentious for the sake of it mm-hmm. and then there are technical terms within your discipline that people might not recognize okay yeah so i think avoiding jargon because that th- that is just a sort of display of oh i'm an artist and i'm using all these long-term mm. long words because that's not really going to endear you to anybody and no. it doesn't actually impress people no but if you are going to use technical language to describe what you're doing, mm-hmm. do remember that people won't necessarily understand it. So, and that's fine. It. That's, that's okay. absolutely fine. But, um, for example, if I were talking about uh, Lino Cut and I launch into, oh, this is a relief process, that won't actually mean no, anything. No. But then you can use that as an opportunity to explain. I can say that means that... Yeah, and of course what you're doing thus is you're educating your audience, you're giving them a bit of something for nothing because you're kind of informing them. If you've got the the space to give them the information, if it's a a short marketing mail or something like that, avoid that. Yeah. Don't go down the technical word path because you haven't got the space to enlarge on it. That's better done in a blog or an article or a book or something like that. So should we be careful about who we are quoting or are we allowed to take inspiration from other artists? Well, I I think there's a big difference between quoting someone, which can be very informative and charming in the right place, and plagiarising. Right. You know, you must not just cut and paste from other people. That's that's really, really important. Mm. So avoid that. But to be honest, the thing that's going to win the day is just your voice. Yes. And keeping it simple and honest and direct from you. That's what's precious because mm. that's what's unique to you. Mm. Don't, so, as I say, don't feel like you have to write the same type of blurb like every other no. artist in there. You know, you're, mm. you're allowed to have your authentic voice and individuality yeah. in a different way of expressing it. Don't, don't conform, you know, try and be an artist and be different. That's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah. But just don't make, make sure you're not pissing people off as you're doing it by stealing from them. Yeah, because they will find out. Yeah. It's a small world. Yeah. And as soon as, you know, the when it comes to things like gallery dealers or people you want to work with in a professional capacity, if as soon as they start hearing that you're potentially that type of person that does take from others, you will mm. soon find out you've got no one to work with and no walls to show your work. Yeah, that's really important. So what makes for a compelling piece of writing? What are the sort of really strong things that you can do to make writing appealing? I think, I suppose... People like, as I do, as everyone does, is, is stories, you know, mm. sort of ins, the, the bit that you can't see in the visual art. So, you know, how something came about. Was there a, a, a sole purpose or drive that you created something or the way that it's presented, the way that it's shown? So using stories about you know, the people or mm. places where things were, were, were born or That's- how things were 
created are all part of that. Well, I think that's really interesting. I mean, when I talk, when I'm talking to people about my Japanese woodblock prints, mm. and I mention training in Japan, they're always immediate. They want to know what it was like, yeah. what my tutors like mm. was, and having a few interesting stories mm. about the time there has been invaluable. And I think every artist has that kind of collection of stories about yeah. it and, and it's, it's the things you often take yeah, for granted you think yeah. are perfectly normal but actually are actually quite yeah. fascinating yeah people people love that and that's a good thing to remember for social media they yeah. want to know you know if the, the things have happened to you mm. on the way to making a piece of art mm. and stuff like that so you know be generous and share share the stories because they want an end to your creative life yeah and they'll do that through sharing your world and your the things that happen to you in it's, it. It's what I call them, sort of slice of life examples. Yeah, totally. you know, It's just little things that, little snippets that, yeah. you know, subconsciously or, or heavily yeah. influence the way that you work and why you do it and yeah, how you do it. don't be afraid to be you. Mm. I think sometimes it's almost easy to overthink I'm an artist, I have to project X, Y or Z mm. in terms of sort of my arty presence. Yes, and what actually, do I want to say? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It can all get very heavy. And actually, at the end of the day, people just want to know about you and the art they make, that you make. Yeah. It's the small things that yeah. are just as rich and delicious and can say so much more about an artist than the big grand statements and gestures. Yeah, absolutely. So when you've written this simple and engaging piece of work, editing it and proofreading it. Oh, really, no, no spellings, really no typos, no... Editing's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, when I write something, I will go back at least probably three or four times mm. and tweak and change and reread it. I read it out loud because well, that's makes a good me, idea. Yeah, that's I find that if I don't, because I read very fast, I just skim. Right. Yes. So I make myself read it out loud, mm. and I read it to the ever patient Mister B. Quite often. I might steal that idea. Just read. I like that idea. Just yeah, because you know, it makes you take your time. Well, you coming over here and reading all your writing to me. Oh well, he, <laughs> he loves. It. He, he, want, he wants it really. It's fine. I'll see if see if uh, Mrs K wants it instead, and I'll yes. come over and, and, and read. Darling, listen to what I've written today. <laughs> Lock me in a cupboard. But I think what what I want to sort of share is that I struggle with reading and writing, so I'm partially dyslexic. Oh. And this was always kind of a worry about it being a professional artist, knowing too well, I'm going to have to do lots of this business side in order to to pay my bills. So how has that been for you? It's it's been a challenge. It's not Mm. been easy. I have improved enormously, you know, over these last 10 years. That's very positive, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of just by working hard and and realising I just need to teach myself the little tips and tricks and techniques that enable me to, to cope with both the ability mm. to read and write the, and the, the fact that I'm having to practice it because I am reading and writing so much more, you know, probably since school. Mm. Um, the very nature of doing it is helping me improve and get better. Um, but I do rely upon assistance in those areas where I know I am very, yeah, very weak at. Yeah, that's the time when friends and family come yeah. in really so, useful. So uh, the uh, the talented Mrs. K, I think I'll refer to her, Mrs. <laughs> Keegan, is is wonderful in yeah. regard to, to proofing what I've, I've checked. And we have a rule now. I will not write something until it has been checked uh, on more than one occasion. Uh, because it's important for, for the professionalism of, of you know what I'm trying to do yeah. as an artist. Yeah. If I were to send it, I know that there's likely to be a mistake there, but I'd rather wait mm. a day 
or delay it by an hour, but mm. it be delivered and have in it a checked. have it checked and checked. I mean, I would say if you really don't have anybody on hand to check for you, then print out whatever it is, read it out loud, and go over it line by line with a pencil in your hand mm. and really, really check. Mm. It's not a perfect way of doing it. It's always better to have another set of eyes on on it. But if you can't, then just take your time yeah. to check it. There's also the, the, the some by sharing your writing with uh, a second, third, or fourth person on a number of occasions, they will give you something that you've completely missed. Actually, that's a very and that good kind of point. Objective yeah. point of view, and and mm. Mr. B's fantastic that with us that mm. you and I are talking about all the things that we're aware, and sometimes we may miss something. And just a yes, quick reminder he'll, he'll from he'll a third, us for the podcast. yeah. So so from a from a technical point of view of making sure that you know you got your mm. your full stops and your your capital letters in the right place, it's also mm. helpful to have someone say, "Well, hang on, you've you've not talked about this thing, this great story you told yeah. me last week. You've not yeah. written that." So it's quite nice to have that objective. Well, I, uh, yeah. I mean, certainly when I wrote I wrote my book, I had, I think, six people look at it. And those six wow. people, um, yes, I've just got to send them their free copies. <laughs> <laughs> that was going out in the post tomorrow. Um, but what was interesting is that they all came at it from a very different angle. So mm. some people were grammar Nazis and corrected my grammar thoroughly. Other people were, I don't know this process at all. I don't understand X, Y. That's a great. And yeah. then I had other people who were experts in the process and reminded me of things I hadn't included. So a wide range of people yeah. is always good. Sort of like the the bigger and more important the piece of writing, the more effort you need to go to when Absolutely. it comes to checking it. I mean, all writing needs checking, but some needs checking more than others. So the power of writing. Laura, what are our takeaways from this episode? I think the biggest takeaway from this episode is not to panic. You don't have to be a born writer to succeed at writing as an artist. Just be honest, keep it simple and just let your voice come through. Thank you all for listening. Remember, you can catch up with all the stuff we've covered during this episode and others in our show notes at askanartistpodcast.com. If you did enjoy this podcast, remember you can subscribe, write us a review, give us some stars and that'll keep us helping you. 